This is Joshua Bell with The Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from September 25th, 2022. I hope you enjoy. God bless. My scripture this morning is taken place. Oh, yeah, we have Prayground. Uh, if, if you have a child that is uh, wanting to go to Prayground, now would be the time uh, to send them. I keep forgetting to do that still after all these years, but oh well. My scripture this morning is taken from the book of 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 19. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles uh, on page 197 in the New Testament section. Of course there is great gain in all godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we had food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of now, I want you to pay attention. It's not the root of all evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good concession, confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who are in the present ages, are rich. Commend them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. So when I was in, uh, when I was singing, my voice director and vocal coaches were always uh, worried, or actually one of them would say, just make sure you come to the performance tired. Uh, because at that point, we never know exactly what we're going to get, but it's going to be a good show. 
So this morning I come to you a little tired, uh, and I don't exactly know what's going to happen during my sermon. I know what I preached during the 815, but I can't remember what I said. So here we go. I think it's important to recognize right off the bat that this is a letter being written by who we assume is Paul to Timothy. And in this place, Timothy is like every other young minister in the sense that Paul is worried that he needs to stay clear of avarice. You know, that idea that I know what I'm doing and I can be content with whatever I have. And what everybody else gives me, it needs to be more. You see, contentment mixed with godliness is the best place to be. Paul wants Timothy to understand this. And I also think it's important to recognize that Paul mentions that right off the bat, he says, since we come into this world and we leave this world with nothing, he says, let the basics of nourishment and raiment make someone content. Craving things like wealth beyond contentment leads to shipwreck, not success, as Paul would say. The second paragraph here speaks about the conduct in the face of resistance to the godly life. And he even uses like fruits of the spirit so that you understand, even to the point of suffering. And then, because Paul is, I think, an, uh, a musician, ends it with the with the doxology right after, make sure you do these things from the right place. And then finally, I love how he puts this. For some good common sense for the rich people on how to manage their wealth in a way that befits the life of a follower of Christ, which is honestly supposed to be ironic. But for us in the 22nd, or 21st century, we have this idea that that this, he's talking about to those that have lots of money. No, no. It's supposed to be ironic in the sense that none of them are rich. All of them are striving to make ends meet just to have food. In one way, he's saying that you're all rich. You've been given much, and, you've been, and you have so many blessings that you're not even recognizing it. But whatever you do have... Don't store it up to take care of yourself. To be generous with what you've been given. The Gospel of Matthew would say, when Jesus talks about this specific topic, in the sense of giving with your right hand so that your left hand doesn't know what you're giving. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, great. Josh is going to talk about giving this morning. And, and he's going to make sure that we understand that we've got to give until it hurts. Now, I hope you all understand that that is not how I believe theologically. I believe that God gives us things that we are to be using for the glory of God. That's time. That's tithe. That's talent. All of those things are ways that we can be generous with the things that God has given to us. But let's focus in on the contentment part first. Godliness with contentment. The latter word is entarcheia in the Koine Greek, which is an interesting construction of the word contentment because it was the favorite word of Christianity's two rivals, the Stoics and the Cynics. Because both understood 
autarkeia as self-sufficiency and contentment. So it's both and. The word was also cherished as a virtue because it suggested a simple lifestyle and a calm acceptance of whatever life dealt. And then right in verse 7, he gives you this proverb. For we brought nothing into this world so that we can take nothing out of it. The wisdom suggests that contentment is found in life, not things, and values sufficiency over extravagance. talk a little bit about what this means. He uses this phrase like a foundation for the future. Right? You remember that? Right there in that last paragraph he, he starts talking about putting your wealth in such a way that benefits others after we have moved on or uh, we have passed away. This, I'm, I'm the oldest of six kids and my dad was an, a minister. If it hadn't been for the generosity of others, I would have never gone to college. Every part of me being able to go to college was taken care of by scholarships. And just to kind of add to this, I, I, I was able to receive two master's degrees and almost the way through two-thirds of my doctorate completely taken care of by foundations because people saw something in me and invested in me to do the work of ministry that I couldn't see in myself. I would use the example, I, I can't afford it. Oh, they'd say, oh yeah, watch this. You know, even in our own congregation, we've seen this time and time again. Uh, well, the organ is broken. We're, we're not going to be able to fix it. It's not going to happen. Okay, watch this. The lights have gone out in the building. We, we now have a new sound system. We don't know what to do with it. It's, 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 it's blown up. We can't afford to fix it. Oh, yeah? Watch this. We find ways of investing in the things that we do, but it's not because we own this, because this is God's place. And we set up foundations and scholarships and the names of others, not for our glory but because we want to invest in the future. You know, the one thing that I always, always dreamed in any congregation that I ever served was this idea that we created these foundations that took care of all of the stuff, like the, the things of humans, right? Like the, the utilities and all of that stuff, so that the, the offerings that we received on Sundays literally went out into the world. I mean, that's a huge dream. I mean, that's a huge foundation. But imagine what a congregation would have the ability to do if the only thing they had to worry about is what ministry they're going to invest their money in each week. Think of how many people they could feed. Think of how many people they could take care of if they didn't have to worry about the utilities. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy concept, but... I think Paul is challenging Timothy that as, as they're setting up this church at home, they're setting it up in such a way that says, you need to be okay with what you have. 
not what the world tells you that you need. The extravagances of the world are not going to help you in your spiritual journey. You know, I think sometimes movies have a tendency to kind of relate better than uh, I can. Um, I'm, not, I'm not Steven Spielberg. I, I'm not a good writer or director. But I, I do think that there was one movie which is uh, a little bit racy, but there's, there's some neat things that take place in this movie that I, I, I think that I want to share. There's this movie called American Beauty. Kevin Spacey plays his role of a guy named Lester Berman. And in that movie, he, he's this guy that somewhere in his life, he figures out that he's lived a, a meaningless, almost trite life, that he's done everything for the excess and nothing for anything that's going on in real life. And he has what we all know in all the movies, right? He has a midlife crisis. He strives to recover what it is he has lost in his marriage and his family over the years. And in one poignant scene, he comes to close to experiencing the, the dynamic and joyful quality that he and his wife shared in their early years. Let me paint the picture for you. The scene takes place in their living room. Lester, looking at his wife, says, You've lost your joy. Whatever happened to that girl? Have you forgotten about her? Because I haven't. They sit together in silence, and then he gets close to her and gets ready to gently kiss her. And then as he's getting ready to, she, she notices that he has a, well, get ready for it, a can of beer in his hand and says to him, uh, wait, 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 wait. You, you can't have this. You're going to spill that on the couch. He jumps up off the couch, and he looks at her, and he says, So what? It's just a couch. She says to him, No, this is a $4,000 sofa, upholstered in Italian silk. This is not just a couch. He looks at her, and he says, It's just a couch. And my favorite part of that line is, as he looks at it, and he looks at the scene in the scenario and he says, this isn't life. This is just stuff. And it's become more to you than living. How often do we find ourselves in that position? That our generosity gets put to the side because, well, we're so worried about all of the things that are important to us uh, uh, whatever that means. Being generous does not mean just giving of your money, by the way. Being generous means giving of your time and your talent in such a way that is pleasing to God. And again, Paul is trying to encourage Timothy to put that as the focus. In the first century, if they all just tried to feed one another, no one would have gone hungry. If they would have all just tried to make sure that all of their kids had clothes, none of them would have gone naked. If they would have just tried to find ways of seeing someone 
sleeping on the street. Now, I'm not encouraging you to do this because we live in a different society. But if they had just seen their neighbor or their friend sleeping on the side of the street, wouldn't they have found a place for them to sleep out of the weather and the rain? Generosity goes beyond the understanding of just giving. It comes from a place deep, deep within your heart. That's that movement that God gives to us when we transcend things like a $4,000 sofa and build relationships with people. We build foundations that take care of today as well as tomorrow. And not for our glory, but for the glory of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.